Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. Hello again, everyone. It is I, Dr. Alice Kirby, your host of the Beyond the Pink Cloud podcast. Thank you so much for listening and joining me again. Today's episode is another wonderful conversation with a very special guest, Catherine Peters, who is, among other things, a nap expert. And I love that we talk about rest and naps, and especially as you know, very busy sort of type A type people, like how important it really is to rest. And I think as many of you know, I personally love this topic. It's something I bring to the forefront in my work frequently because, you know, we just can't go through life on Mach 10 all the time, running on high alert as much as society wants to demand nonstop productivity from us. That's really not how our biology works. So I love talking to people like Kat who have done extensive research on subjects like napping and why it's so beneficial for us. So I think you'll love the episode. And I'm back from my backpacking trip. I think I'm trying to get Jason, who went on the trip with me, to come on and do just a short episode where we talk a little bit about the highlights. And uh, hopefully I'm putting together a little movie because I took a lot of videos out there and made a bit of a, a video sort of journal just of each day. It was really wonderful to be off the grid for so long and in, in some of my favorite parts of the of the country in the High Sierra. So it's good. It was great. And it's good to be back with all of you. And that's it for now. Um, you can always come in and join either of my Facebook groups, the Self Love Project or the Sober Girls Hiking and Adventure Club. We have um, guests come in and speak. More so I'm doing that in the Sober Girls Hiking and Adventure Club. We have Aaron O'Hagan's going to be on the 19th, although I think this will come out after that, the 19th of August, but we will have more and you can come in the the group and all of those replays, like because we do the live interviews, all of those replays are up for you to see. So Aaron's actually teaching a free little 20 minute Pilates class in the group tomorrow. So if you'd like to come check that out, she's wonderful. Doing Pilates with her has literally changed my life. I cannot recommend her enough. So if you want to come check out the free class, you can join the group. And that video will be up for 30 days. So it'll be up until um, September 19th. And with that, please enjoy the episode. Uh, if you like the podcast, please tell a friend, like and subscribe, or you could leave a positive review. The, all of those things really help the show to grow and just help me to continue to reach out to all these amazing guest experts yeah, we'll see you soon. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And please, please take take good care of yourselves. Hi, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. And with me today, I have Catherine Peters, or Cat the Coach, as she is known as. And Cat is a certified mindset coach and energy leadership master practitioner. And after a long and successful career creating multiple businesses and traveling the world, Catherine faced burnout on an epic level. A breast cancer diagnosis in 2018 changed the trajectory of her life. In her search to heal herself and her life, she answered a long-time calling to help others as well. 
She now helps her clients heal their minds, clearing out the crap in their heads so they can finally create the life of their dreams filled with magic, purpose, and lots of joy. And those are all some of my favorite things. And Kat is also a a nap expert. Is that fair to say you're a nap expert? So we're going to talk a lot about napping and get into the benefits of napping. And I'll let her talk now. Thank you for being with me today. How are you? you? Thank you for having me. I'm phenomenal to be here with you. You have quite the roster of guests. So I have to say, like I had a little imposter syndrome, even like being on your podcast. I'm like, can I measure up to these incredible women? Oh, of course you can. And it's so funny when I started this podcast, I had great coaches and they were like, just reach out to people. So I just started like really reaching out and that's continues to be your, I, Caitlin Donovan sent you my way, just so wonderful. And it was, it's just so lovely to talk to people who are living their passion in the world and that are excited about their work. They're doing it. I think it helps to lift all of us up and, and hopefully the listeners as well. So we all just leave feeling a little more connected and inspired and yeah, so fun. Fantastic. Yes, it really is. Right. So I know there's so many things we can talk about today and I'd love to hear maybe just a little bit of your, you tell us a little bit about your personal story. I know in in your bio that I just read, you talk a little bit about how your own life changed. And on your website, I, I really like that you talk about, you know, I had this calling to rest, but like many of us, I just sort of shoved it down and kept on going until that breast cancer diagnosis really seemed to make you rest. So maybe just tell us a little bit about your, your own story. I knew there was a problem when I was standing in my hotel room in a five-star resort and I was looking out the window. It was this amazing travel destination. Most of my traveling was to amazing destinations and I love travel with a passion, but I was in tears and the thought of having to get up the next morning and do it all over again and be down by 6 a.m. and work another 14 to 16 hour day. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. Mm. And I kept getting this message to rest. You know, people talk about when they hear that voice that's outside of them somehow, like that was the voice. And I, it was one of the very few times in my life where that's happened. And it happened over and over and over again. And I kept getting this message from all these weird avenues, like different friends would send me podcasts on rest or even sermons, Christian sermons on rest. And I'm not a practicing Christian. So like it came from all these different avenues and I started to listen. So that night when I was in tears, I Googled how to rest. Worst thing you can. I love do. that you Googled it too. That's that's what we do, right? How right, do I- especially like your type A. I just want to solve the problem. Just tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. And there were I don't know how many millions of hits, and I was so overwhelmed that trying to figure out how to rest. Two things about that: number one, trying to figure out how to rest was completely inaccessible to me because it just catapulted me into more overwhelm. And the second important thing about that is that I didn't know how to rest. I didn't know how to do something so flipping basic. I didn't know how to do it. And through my work as a coach and my life transition, I realized that I'm not alone in that. So many people 
need rest so badly and they don't even know where to begin. It's a huge problem. And I, I, I've actually started because I work a lot with chronic stress and anxiety, and I've started tailoring some of my messaging even to this thing of, are you unable to stop the wheel of needing to be productive every freaking second? And I think that's a major problem for so many women. And I'm sure men too. I just, I work primarily with women, but I see it again and again. And people that come in and well, I just want to slow down, but I've no idea how. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like I even can because of my job demands or my kid demands or my family demands. There's always an excuse why that's not possible. And in my own experience, there was some truth to that. Like I said, in my profile, I, I actually ended up four months later from that dark night of the soul. I ended up with a breast cancer diagnosis and in doing the deep dive research on why I had gotten breast cancer, I uncovered the startling truth that I was just a walking risk factor. I had all the risk factors for breast cancer and lifestyle was so important and stress and anxiety were such a contributing factor. And in fact, I don't know what the article was, but some study said like 95% of all disease is stress related. Yeah. Yeah. The the research is really staggering on that. There's more and more of it. Yes. So when I really took a look at what was causing me stress, number one thing, of course, is my job. And I'd been a meeting planner for 26 years at that point. And Forbes did this article, like the top five most stressful careers. And I think nursing, firefighter, EMT, like all the life and death ones were the top four, police officer, event planner. Hmm. So it truly is so incredibly stressful. So I go back to work after my diagnosis, after my surgery, after my recovery, I go back to work. And one of the other women on our team on this on-site meeting had also had breast cancer, had a more advanced stage of breast cancer with much more invasive treatment. And she, you know, she put her foot down. Okay. The registration is closing here our hospitality, our event is opening. This time I'm going to go back to my room and lay down for an hour and a half. The disbelief and the derision that the other staff members had about this woman, I was, I I just, I got a really up close and personal view of how we look at rest in Western society and more particularly how my industry, that particular industry looked at rest And I said, I got to make change like this. I can't change an entire industry, but I can change what I decide to do with my life. And that's what I did. So sometimes, yes, you can make the little changes, but sometimes the problem is so endemic. The problem is so systemic that your only choice is to make a radical change. It's true. I'm at the brink of a radical change in my own life that I won't go into, but I'm like, yep, that's the... (laughs) That's the path and that's it. And I think what you said, I want to just kind of pause and pull it out because it's so concerning and so true that, yeah, how we look at rest. And I think especially as women, this hits us harder because we're already still trying to, you know, do everything and be seen as these strong, capable people and members of, especially in certain corporate positions or the workforce or whatever it is. It's, I feel like we, we just were always trying to prove we can do it or our, I don't know, our worth or, or whatever. And then this idea coupled like 
with companies and, and industries where just rest is, it's like you're weak if you rest. And it's so backwards, especially when we do look at the research that comes out that shows like stress is literally killing us. And if we look at some of the statistics of like happiness in America, it's we're not really a happy people, I think, which is because we have this weird systemic issue saying in part because of this, like we need to work all the time. We need to work these really long weeks. And if we don't, we're somehow not productive or we're not good enough, or we should be ashamed of ourselves if we need rest or there's something wrong with us. And it really is just a, it's a very toxic mindset. That's much bigger than a single mind. It is this kind of like industry wide in multiple industries, even in the the medical field where I came from, like the idea of needing to rest and not working these 10 hour days in the internship when I had my own dark moment, dark night of the soul moment, where I was like, I can't keep doing this. I can't go on. It's really, and people are like, oh, well, you must be, you must be weak. It's like, no, I don't, I don't think that's it. Can we look at the bigger picture? That's just me rambling about it. Cause I think we need to talk about it more so that more people can recognize there isn't anything wrong with them if they need to rest. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And that's kind of, napping is really my entree into rest. It's how I get in the foot, my foot in the door to talk about the larger issues around it because so much is tied to this concept and napping is just fun. You know, it's a fun, easy one. You know, but you're right. I mean, when I do my, I I do a nap workshop called the untapped power of the nap. And I also next week I'm giving a workshop. It's called go the F to sleep after the famous children's book of the same title. (laughs) I haven't heard Um, that book. I love the title though. Oh, it's great. It's narrated. I can't remember the guy it's narrated by, but it's so good. It's on YouTube. Just Google it. Go the F to sleep. So napping is really a fun entree, but the larger conversation is giving people permission to rest and teaching them how to do it. Yeah. And in that nap workshop, the reason I brought that up is because I have all these slides about the consequences of not getting enough rest and the number of deaths and medical mistakes that are made in hospitals because of lack of sleep. It's just crazy. It's crazy that they set it up that way. I was just going to say that. Like, why is that a thing where doctors should have to work 80 hour shifts? Like when they're in charge of, especially ER docs, it's like, this is a bad idea. Just maybe get some more doctors in med school's competitive. People want to get into this profession. Maybe let them take it some, like a nap or get a good night's sleep and then come back to saving lives. It makes no sense. It's crazy. It's like literally crazy. Is that a global, like is medical education? I don't even know. I'm like, do you know, is medical education like that in non-Western countries? Is it even like that? And I don't think it is in places like Europe or where there's more socialized medicine. That is such a great question. I'm actually collecting people to interview myself Mm. around napping and rest and how we do it in other cultures. And medical training in other cultures would be fascinating, fascinating, because they don't look at rest in a lot of other cultures the way we do. You know, it's really more of the fabric of their daily lives, whereas it just isn't in the U.S. especially, but in a lot of the West. So 
I think mindset is thing one when it comes to rest and napping. And what I talk about in my workshop is thing one is what's your nap story? And it's really the same as what's your rest story. And for me, it's very much a lot of what you just said, which is my self-worth is tied to my productivity for myself, but also I fear from other people. Mm -hmm. I don't feel, and I, you know, we teach what we have to learn. So I am still in this learning process and I see all of the mindset crap that comes up. I don't feel like a good spouse if I haven't ticked off some boxes in the domestic goddess goddess checklist. You know, I don't, and to the extent, and I'm going to get really personal here, to the extent that having sex with your partner becomes something to tick off your to-do list. Yeah. You know, because it's just part of everything that you've got to get done. Yeah. And our, so our self-worth is so tied to our productivity and to that checklist. That's one of the reasons that Home Depot commercial is so successful, you know, more doing. And I hear that refrain, that, that Home Depot jingle in my head all the time when this stuff comes up for me, I'm like, oh, come on, just turn it off. Just turn it off. So, and there's also like this dopamine thing that happens when I can tick something off of my to-do list. So that's a reinforcing factor. And when it comes to napping and rest in general, there's all of these messages that most of us got when we were little kids, but that could actually be reinforced in various ways as adults. Like you're lazy if you rest. Like, again, your self-worth is tied to your productivity and especially for naps, like napping is for babies. Yeah. I'm I'm an adult now. I don't need to do that. So it's very helpful before you even try and figure out how to rest is trying to figure out why you want to rest and what your self, what your stories are around it. Cause you'll be like that. And I've heard that from, I interviewed a woman a while ago, probably a few years ago, just about sleep in general. And I think that was one of the things she had said too, is what's your sleep story and what do you tell yourself about sleep? And I think that is so important and something that I don't even immediately go to. It was great to be reminded of it of it again. And it was funny when you asked, asked it around napping, I had this image of like being a little kid in like a gymnasium with like mats being rolled out. And it was like nap time. And I remember not liking that at all. It was super weird. And it's just, now I love naps. I'm a big napper, but it's interesting to hear that's part of my story. I have this weird gymnasium, like little kid nap memory. So I don't like napping in large groups and on a weird rubber mat, but my bed is fine. (laughs) And that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, Just the other part of that. And you'll, I know you do a lot of work around like the autonomic nervous system and really kind of ratcheting that down our sympathetic nervous system and kind of getting into our parasympathetic nervous system. So you just touched on something that's really important in terms of becoming a premier napper is you have to create safety Mm -hmm. in your head and in your environment. And I have a funny story because one of the reasons, again, teach what you need to learn. I came at this after having tried to figure out how to rest 
for a couple of years and doing all the different modalities and napping was like the final frontier. It napping was my rest Mount Everest, hmm. you know, because I I just sucked at it. And I said it a lot. I suck at napping. I just can't nap. I suck at napping. And a really good friend of mine said, quit saying you suck at napping. That's, you know, I'm like, oh my God, I'm a mindset coach. So pro tip guys, just because you're a mindset coach or a coach doesn't mean you can coach yourself because we all have these blind spots. I had a blind spot about, oh yeah, maybe telling myself I suck at napping isn't exactly serving me. So I wanted to conquer the nap and I would, you know, make my time in my calendar, which can be challenging. And I went to a dark room and I had it all set up. I even put a sign on the door that said nap practice in progress. And my husband walked in, in the middle of my nap practice, 2020 guys. <laughs> and um, I was so, he woke, he, I was just dozing off, which is a huge, a huge accomplishment, right? Yes. I was just dozing off and he woke me up and by coming in the room, I was livid, like, just rageful. Of course, I didn't scream at him or anything, but it was inside. It was all inside. And I was so angry. I was so triggered. I felt violated. And I'm having this out-of-body experience because I'm like, this is absolutely insane. Why are you feeling so triggered? And it finally clicked that it's about safety. Mm -hmm. And this is a very, very deep, old kind of reptilian brain thing, but you have to have a safe space in order to fall asleep soundly. So I learned, I learned through trial and error, how to create that safe space for myself. You know, I have to corral the dogs in a certain part of the house. I have to make sure that my husband and I are in agreement about the schedule. I have to, you know, all these different things that I have to do to make myself feel safe so that I can get out of that sympathetic nervous system and into the parasympathetic, because it's not just like flipping a switch for a lot of us. Yeah. I'd say for most of us, it's not. I love that you brought up safety and it, it definitely is like that reptilian brain thing. Like we couldn't in the olden days, just lie down anywhere because we were at threat from the elements and animals and other tribes or whatever was out there. And now it's like those threats are our phone digging, our partner walking in, our dogs, our kids are, you know, the calls from work, whatever that is. So it's yeah. like, we do really have to carve out the time and the space and, and figure out what, in what ways that work for us, I think. And yeah. I think, you know, with any sort of new practice, there always is this, this trial and error period. And just to give ourselves grace around that. And maybe if we try something and it doesn't work, not to give up on the whole idea, but just to try something a little differently the next time and until we find that sweet spot. Yeah. And one thing you said just tr triggered me a memory in me. And I just want to share this with your listeners because it's so, it was epically important for me. Make sure that you put your phone on do not disturb and any kind of electronic notifications may on your laptop or your phone or your tablet, whatever your electronics are, make sure those are on do not disturb. Preferably you can set that for a specific period of time, like 30 minutes or 60 minutes, because I will forget to take off the do not disturb because just those sounds 
can trigger us. I I remember there was one client I had for a meeting in Abu Dhabi. It was, and, and it was a year of being on different time zones, putting this meeting together. And it was so intense. And it was when I made the most money at my job and was the most miserable. And at the end of that, every time my phone would ring, I would start having a panic attack. It was the ringtone. I had to change the ringtone just so that I could do a reset. And so I'm sure for a lot of us who are go, 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 you're not even really aware that that's what's happening physiologically for you, that even just that sound, boom, you know, you hear that ring and there is no way in hell that you're going to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's a trauma response. That's what it is. And it's, I think it's good to be aware of it and to know that's what it is and not even to have to justify it or even fully understand it, but to know this is what's happening. Like this was a traumatic thing for me. Trauma doesn't always have to be this big, huge thing. It can be something like that. Like I was miserable at my job and so highly stressed that the phone is now like triggers a trauma response. And so, I I mean, noticing that is such a huge deal too. And I'm glad you shared that story because I think a lot of people probably really do relate to that in their own nuanced way. And so for people that are listening and we talked about creating safety and safe space, like what are some other like important parameters or guidelines if you are interested in starting a napping practice other than the mindset, which is an ongoing thing too. I don't think with mindset, it's just like we change it and check that off the box. It's right. Well, could that will continue to grow and change and shift and we'll have better relationships with it some days than others, most likely. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of things just related to mindset before we move on from there is to tell yourself nobody needs me right now. Mm. The world will not collapse. If I'm out of commission for the next 20 to 30 minutes, just tell yourself, nobody needs me right now. And the other important mantra to do, especially if you're starting a nap practice where you had this story, like I did that I suck at napping. Doesn't matter if I fall asleep, doesn't matter. I'm just going to rest my eyes you know, so give yourself permission to not fall asleep. Don't give yourself performance anxiety mm-hmm. around napping. And then there's a couple of very, very practical things that you can do. The first is in addition to creating your safe space and maybe make a, a do not disturb sign for your door, I would invest in whatever whatever you need to get comfortable. So some people are very light sensitive. Having a sleep mask helps having a light blanket, not a heavy blanket, because then you tend to overheat, especially in the day for some reason. So a light blanket is better having headphones, noise canceling headphones. They even, I have not tried this out, but I'm so, I need to order this. It, there's a sleep mask with like the headphones in it. I saw that on your website. It was very intrigued because I have trouble sleeping with the headphones. Yes. Right. Because I'm a side sleeper. And what happens over time is that these things become cues. They become physical cues for your body. So um, also finding a place that's comfortable. And this can take some experimentation. I know people who are like, I can never sleep in my bed during the day. It does not work for me. And I only sleep on the couch. I'm a great couch napper. 
or the opposite is true. I can only sleep in my bed. If you're at an office that takes a little more trial and error, maybe you can sleep in your car in a shady spot. Maybe you, depending on the kind of office you're in, if you have a door, you can close your door, put a do not disturb on. So really setting yourself up for success as much as possible with, with a nap kit is what I call it. So if you're working, make it just a little portable nap kit that you keep in your car or in your office. If you're at home, just make sure you have your items handy. So that's thing one. Well, okay. It's thing two. Mindset is thing one. And then that's thing two. And then another really there's a couple. Okay. So let's talk about timing and duration because oh, good. that was going to be my next line of questioning. <laughs> I anticipate your every thought. <laughs> Wonderful. I'll just sit here quietly. I'm yawning too, because we're talking about naps. I'm like thinking about my bed, <laughs> my comfy pillow. Yeah. I know okay. my eye mask, my fan. <laughs> okay. So timing is everything. We have circadian rhythms and most of us are on the same kind of circadian rhythm. So regardless of when you get up, the best time to nap is really going to be between around one and 3 PM. The only caveat to that is if you're a shift worker and you're working nights, and then you want to target about seven hours after you get up. So if you are getting up at 2 PM, hopefully you could take a nap around 9 PM. So other than that, though, 1 and 3 p.m. is going to be your sweet spot, regardless of when you get up, because we have this thing called sleep pressure. The moment we wake up, sleep pressure starts to build. And that's the point in the day when most of us have our highest sleep pressure. So if you can target 1 to 3 p.m., that'll be awesome. And well, can I ask, what is sleep pressure? Could you talk a little bit? more about that? Is that like pressure to go back to sleep? Is it tiredness? Yeah, it's, it's sleepiness. Okay. So in the sleep lab, they call it sleepiness, which is, can be a little bit different than tiredness or fatigue. So it's how, you know, in an unscientific way, how badly do you want to go to sleep? Sure. <laughs> so that builds at kind of this predictable rate. And I don't know the specifics, but there are some incredible sleep studies around this. But that's what's so interesting is that regardless of when you get up or when you go to bed, 1 to 3 p.m. is a sweet spot for most people. And here's a, here's what's so great about that for me, the mindset coach. How many of us have felt guilty about having that dip at 1 to 3 p.m. every day? Like, Oh, it's because I'm not working out enough. It's because I'm out working out too much. It's because I didn't re- eat the right thing for lunch. It's because I, I don't have good sleep hygiene at night. I mean, we have all these stories about what a failure we are for being tired. And yeah. it's not true. It's just natural. It's what our bodies are designed to do. So honoring what our bodies are designed to do is one of the best things you can give yourself. So that's duration, or I'm sorry, that's timing, not duration. There's so much new science in like the last 10 years around this that is really interesting. And the most important thing probably for the listeners to know is 20 minutes is going to probably be your gold standard because 
that's what you've got enough time to fit into your day most of the time. Because 20 minutes, you really need to allocate 30 minutes for in order to kind of get into it, get get out of it. Yes. Yes. And to wake up from it and start your day again. So I like to, and, and there are so many benefits of napping that you can accomplish in 20 minutes. And we haven't even talked about all the benefits, but we can, yeah. and I definitely want to get into them, especially with 20 minutes. And I'm curious about like entering REM sleep. Do we go like in these 20 minute naps, do we go into that deeper REM sleep and then come out of it? Like, does it go in those 20 minute cycles or are we entering a different stage of sleep in the 20 minute period? Fantastic question. So there used to be five stages. They combined two of them. So now there's really four recognized stages of sleep and REM is like the third stage. And then you get into deep sleep. The first stage is really, really light. And then stage two is a, it's still pretty light, but heavier, So in 20 minutes, you're probably not going to get into too much REM, but you're also not going to get into too much stage four deep sleep. And that deep sleep is when people have, there are a number of complaints I hear over and over again. And that's one of them. When I wake up, I'm so groggy. I can't function. Probably your sleep cycle is such, and the amount that you slept is such that you woke up in deep sleep in stage four. And that's when we actually, our body produces a paralysis. And I think it's probably, you know, we won't roll out of bed. We won't sleepwalk, but it's also really hard to get moving when you're in that state of paralysis. So waking up from stage four can be very disorienting, very groggy and very difficult to kind of get your groove back. So the average cycle that everybody goes for through is about 90 minutes to go through all of these stages completely. So in the sleep labs, what they say a perfect nap is your perfect nap is around 90 minutes. Most of us don't have 90 minutes a day to spend napping. So if you've got it, like on the weekends, it's Fabulous, because then you get all of the health benefits associated with each cycle of sleep. And so it's really restorative for your body. But during the week or when you're working or you have a lot going on, even just the 20 minute nap will help prevent you from waking up in those deeper cycles and it'll give you a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for explaining that. And I, I'd love to hear more about the benefits too, because I think this is something I know one of the benefits of both rest, including napping and practices like meditation are that we actually are more productive. And I think us as Westerners, we really need to hear that because we're this productively driven culture. So I like that there is a a healthy body of research that focuses on that. So I'd love to hear your take on that. And then just some of the other benefits that come with, with napping. This is really where the rubber meets the road for me. I'm all about value-added activities, more bang for your buck. And when I started doing a deep dive into the science around napping, I was so blown away that all of the crap, all of those stories I had that it's a waste of time, I'm being unproductive, yada, yada, it went out the window. 
Because what I learned was that even a 20 minute nap can boost your productivity by up to 34%. Hmm. 34%. 20 minutes, 20 minutes that you otherwise would have maybe spent like slouched forward on your desk, sort of half-heartedly looking through emails, not really getting anything done, checking like football scores or Facebook or whatever it is you do to kind of waste time. Just take the chunk of time and go rest. Yes. And actually what's even more interesting because I'm a huge coffee fanatic. I love coffee, Me too. but caffeine and naps, you know, ounce for ounce, pound for pound, however you want to compare them. Caffeine doesn't measure up in terms of performance. Mm -hmm. Naps actually outstrip caffeine in terms. It's about the same in terms of an increased in alertness, but in terms of actual performance, caffeine performs not as well as napping. And in fact, worse than just baseline. So caffeine is not the go-to for your afternoon productivity boost. You're much better off to have a nap. And so for all the caffeine drinkers out there, one really important tip and one that I still struggle with because I love coffee so much is and I don't know why, but in my head, like decaf coffee is like fake coffee. I know it's just not the same somehow. <laughs> it tastes the same, like psychologically. Just isn't, it just same. isn't the same. I know. So if you're gonna, so you don't want to drink caffeine more than less than four hours before your nap. So if you're going to have a nap around two o'clock, then make sure your caffeine consumption is done by 10 a.m. Hmm. And if, because otherwise it will interfere with being able to fall asleep. If you know that you've got a late night ahead of you and you really be, want to be on your game and you just, the thought of giving up your afternoon coffee just does you in fine. Drink that cup of coffee right before, or right after waking up, because it usually takes 15 to 20 minutes to kick in. So then you're waking up from your 20 minute nap, kind of supercharged. Hmm. It's great advice because I know there are so many people that don't want to give up coffee. I'm one of them. I love my coffee too, but it's good to know like how to time it right so that it's working, you know, more with us instead of against us. And we can have both of these really lovely things for our afternoons. Like how nice is it to go just stretch out and take a nap? It's wonderful. It is. It is. I was listening to one of your podcasts. I can't remember which guest it was. It was maybe... Her last name was Africa, maybe. Africa she Brooks. She t- yeah, she is Af- amazing. Her first name Africa Brooks. Yes. Yeah, she, she talks a lot about mapping. She's a huge advocate of it. And she talks about one of my favorite Instagram people, which is the Nap Ministry, which I mm. follow religiously. And but she talked about the importance of allowing ourselves pleasure. Yes. And I thought that was so powerful because I feel like that's another one of my stories is I'm not allowed, or this is probably more accurate. I'm Uh only allowed that pleasure, whatever it is, after I've accomplished A, B, and C. I'm only allowed that if I've earned it. Yep. I have to earn it. Have to earn it. And so many of us have that story going on. And so many of us have that story with the feeling good of like, I'm, cause I work a lot with like, let's slow down and notice little moments of pleasure. It's 
it's vital. The other story I hear a lot is this like, well, if I do feel good, it's like immediately I'm going to look for what's going to go wrong. That's so mm-hmm. prevalent. And it's, I think whatever we can do to recognize those stories when they exist, like just like you're saying, and start to lean in to those little moments of pleasure, lean into that delicious cup of coffee, lean into yeah. just stretching out on your bed or whatever, yeah. the sun, you know, a cool breeze, a bird that looks lovely, little things just take time with them throughout your day. Our brains are already so biased towards the negative. It's so important to build, build pleasure in and yeah. And to work with those stories that say like, I have to earn it or. Yeah. Well, and so one, that's one of the reasons I love the productivity. There's so many health benefits, but I lead with productivity because it's a great hack for those who like me are productivity horse. You know, Mm -hmm. we love that's how we measure our self-worth and it takes a while to disentangle and it's an ongoing process. So a couple of hacks are number one, realize that you're actually doing your bottom line a favor. You're going to be more productive. You're going to get more stuff done in the long run. Number two, put it on your to-do list. Or if you don't use a to-do list, you do calendar blocks. I actually do both. Schedule it, put it on the calendar, schedule it. And then it doesn't feel like you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. By napping, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing at that time. Yeah. Think of it like starting a new workout routine or start like trying to integrate, you know, more life-giving foods into your diet or whatever. It's just another thing to do for your health and well-being so that you feel better in your body as a human, as you go through your life. And Perfect segue. Let's talk about some of the health benefits because they're massive. Good. Massive. And I, I'm someone, so a lot of these are near and dear to my heart. I'm someone who has struggled with cyclical depression and anxiety since I was a kid. I've been on and off antidepressants. So my mental health is just as, if not more important to me than my physical health. And napping, there's certain things that happen when you nap that help combat depression and anxiety through the physical hormones that your body is bathed in when you nap. Serotonin levels go way up when you nap and when you sleep. So the, all of the napping is, discussion does not take away the importance of good nighttime sleep. It's an additive, not a substitute. So I just want to slip that point in there. So your serotonin levels are boosted, which is, as you know, a feel good hormone and your cortisol levels go down. And as we know, cortisol is the anxiety hormone. It's also the weight gain hormone. So what happens when we nap is that our mood improves. And this has been documented over and over again in sleep studies that when you nap, you have an elevated mood. And just, we know this from experience in our own lives. When we're tired, it's harder to regulate our emotions. We can be flipped and distressed anxiety so much more easily. And there's something else that happens. And I have a feeling that this is one of the reasons it's so related. It's all interconnected, but it's related to mood. And I think it's also probably related to productivity because our prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain 
involved in decision-making and in quote-unquote willpower. And what happens throughout the the day is we get decision fatigue. Our brains literally get tired of making, and we're not even aware of the thousands of tiny little decisions that we're making throughout the day, especially with technology. Do I look at my email now? Do I look at it later? Do I respond to this email? Do I put it in trash? Do I put it in junk? Do I unput this from from junk? All of these decisions are going on at the, the speed of lightning in our brains all day long. So of course, you know, one to three o'clock, your brain is tired. It's, it just, it literally, that prefrontal cortex literally gets fatigued. And I was listening to a podcast with a, a brain scientist and the interviewer was asking her, what's the one thing for brain health? Cause there's so many things you can do for your brain health. What's the one thing that you would say is the most important thing we can do. And she said, unequivocally without question sleep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so our what happens when we nap in the middle of the day is that last part of the day, we make better decisions. We have more willpower. We make better food choices. So we feel better about ourselves for making better choices. And it's easier to make those decisions on whether to answer that email or do I use that word or this word? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up about the brain getting tired because we live in a culture of just so much choice and it's difficult sometimes to, to even know what we want to do. Like, do we want to do the email now or later? And I think that slows our productivity down as well, but it's extremely fatiguing and we don't really address it or look at it. It's like, we're supposed to just plow through like machines all day, doing these highly focused tasks, staring at a screen with maybe, you know, a five minute break a few times to get water and go to the bathroom. And it's just crazy because it's not how our brains were designed. Like we really need to go in and take in the environment a little bit visually and rest Mm -hmm. our brains, like take those 20 minute naps. Yeah. Because what are you doing in that five minutes? You're checking Facebook. You're checking on the phone, looking at at your screen. (laughs) It's true. I have to, I started this practice last year and I'm, it's something I think I'll continue the rest of my life is like where I physically go somewhere where I'm off the grid. I'll go out in nature where I know there's no service or anything so that I just don't look at my phone because it's like anyone, it's so habitual. I'm, of course, I'm addicted to my technology. I don't think it's a horrible problem, but it's definitely apparent. And I love that disconnect for a period of like a week to 10 days. And that's it. And I know not everyone can do that, but I think if we could instill smaller moments of that throughout our weeks, if we go out for five to 10 minutes without our phones, look at a tree, whatever, I think our eyes really enjoy and our brains enjoy taking in the natural world because that's mm-hmm. we're part of it and not just to be so surrounded by man-made objects all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I like these practices as well. I think in conjunction with get the rest, just let yourself rest. Yes. Yes. So there's so many, and there's other health benefits near and dear to my heart. Like it helps decrease your risk of diabetes again with the cortisol and it, it increases your human growth hormone. It improves heart health. It decreases blood pressure. So the science around the health benefits of napping is astonishing. 
I mean, absolutely astonishing. It is like a massage and antidepressant and therapy session all in one. <laughs> and a good lunch. <laughs> and a good I know, lunch. like what a simple thing. We're always looking for the quick fix to health. Like just yeah. try a nap. Yes, yes. And I know that it can seem impossible and overwhelming. And what happens if you do nothing instead? What happens if you don't make any changes? What happens in your life then? You know, make a small change. Make it. Yes. Yes. And it doesn't cost anything. You know, that's the other thing. Yeah. You could get a $10 eye mask on Amazon too. And it's pretty comfortable. It is. You can get a couple, you can get the one that says F off that my husband. (laughs) Or you could just drape a t-shirt over your eyes. Even if you sleep on your back, Um, like it's, you know, you can make it pretty easy. It's basically just lay down and close your eyes. It's one of the most, the most simple things, but I know it's simple maybe, but not necessarily easy because there is all of this that we've talked about that goes with the practice. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. And I just, I, I really want to invite your listener to, to examine kind of the inner world and the stories they have around allowing themselves to rest or not allowing themselves to rest and the surprising ways this can come back and bite you in the ass if, if you don't pay attention to it. Yeah, definitely. And since I'm a somatic practitioner, I'll throw in, notice what's going on in your body too. What happens when you lay down a nap and things start coming up? What's going on in your sensory environment? Yeah, I actually, I had a funny story I wanted to share with you about that. I was listening to another podcast where you're talking about really how, how disconnected we get from our bodies. And if you just start listening to your body, it'll tell you a lot. It'll tell you what you need to know a lot of the time. And in this continuing journey of me trying to learn how to rest and how to do my world differently, there will be periods of time where I'll be like, back in that groove of the insurmountable to-do list and the huge goals and the short timeline. And all of a sudden I'm back on the hamster wheel. And every single time that happens, something physical happens that bumps me right back off the the hamster wheel. Like I'll throw out my back for six weeks (laughs) or the latest one was this just a couple of months ago. You will love this. I'm like, yes, I'm getting stuff done. I'm so productive. (laughs) And at the height of that productivity, I went to unload the dishwasher and gave myself a concussion. Oh no. On an open cabinet door, opening the dishwasher. And immediately, you know, two days later, I finally went to the doctor and I gave her all my symptoms. She's like, yeah, you have a concussion. Stop. Because I've been trying to pay bills and I'm crying while I'm trying to pay bills because it's math. Don't do math. Don't do anything. Don't read. Dark room. She said she prescribed Netflix and chill. And she said, and no thrillers, nothing with bombs, nothing with action, nothing with explosions. Think Downton Abbey reruns. And I'm like, oh, and it took a doctor telling me I had a brain injury and this is what you're required to do for me to get off my hamster wheel. And I teach women how to do this. Like again, we teach what we need to learn the most. I actually, this is what I do as a coach. And yet in my own world, I had, 
I, I got back on the hamster wheel and sure enough, my body was like, nope, we're not doing this. Yeah. Your body is very well informed as are all of ours, but it's wonderful that you listen. And I think it's really hard, no matter who we are, what we do, like these old patterns are ingrained. It's tough to, I mean, we want to, they want to suck us back in a lot. So I think that's life really. It's the, having the awareness and then having tools to notice like, oh, this is happening again. Okay. I can make a new choice in this moment. I've got to listen to the doctor. Yeah. It's tough too. I just came back from this, my time out in the wilderness and backpacking. And I want to just jump back into my regular routine of exercise and everything. And my body's like, nah, you need a lot of sleep. You need to eat a lot of salads and fresh food. And you need to just sleep. I've re- I'm sleeping like 11 hours at night. I still am. I'm just tired. My body's like, we're recovering. You made us climb up around mountains and camp in the rain for 10 days. Just now you have to sleep. Rest a lot. I mean, it sounds hard, but fabulous. It was great. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I'll definitely do it again. It's wonderful, but it's, it takes a little bit of a toll and it's tough to kind of listen even for me. And this is what I teach is how do we listen to our body and be in touch with it? But it's, it is, it's like that. We have to relearn so many things. A lot of the time, Um, just be willing to, I think, and be willing to listen. Yeah. Well, good for you. I honor your 11 hours of sleep a night. I think that's, oh, it was felt really good. Yeah. I love this. Thank you for being here, Kat. Is there anything that you'd like to promote? Anything you have going on? Anything you want to share with the audience before we close out? Sure. So you can always find me on Instagram, although that's not where I'm at the most. I don't have a huge feed, but it's at Kat the coach. So it's just super easy to remember. Yeah. You can also go to my website or email me at Catherine at cpeterscoaching.com. And one of the things that's evolved in my coaching career is that I actually am now specializing specifically in coaching professional high-performance women who are dealing with health challenges, autoimmune disorders, burnout, to help them figure out how to do their lives differently. Because it can be a real challenge, yeah, real challenge. And, you know, don't Google how to rest. Just send me an email. We'll figure something out. We'll have a call. (laughs) Definitely. And you've lived that life and you've lived that experience. So I think that makes you expertly qualified to to help women. And I know so many people go through that and are in that stage. And it's so hard to get off the hamster wheel by yourself. It's so hard. So don't be afraid to ask for help. If it's not with me, find somebody else, find, look for where your help is, look what for where those sources are and take full advantage. Definitely. Even in one of the, I'm a She Recovers coach. And I really love that organization because it's not necessarily just recovery from alcohol, which is my own personal thing. And, and many of the women in there, but there's also a lot of focus on like recovery from workaholism and recovery from being yeah. on that hamster wheel. And Don Nickel, the founder, she shares a lot about that in her own story with that. And it's really, I just think so many of us can relate to that. So I think any, yeah, yeah any support you can grab onto, just know you're not alone. I think that's yeah. so instrumental, you know, dealing with and anything in life that's hard. I don't know if you're seeing this, but I'm seeing it happen younger and younger and younger that women in their twenties are experiencing autoimmune disorders because of burnout. Yeah. That is crazy to me. It is crazy. Yeah. Don't spend the rest of your life doing that. 
Yeah. Don't, there's no need for it. There's all kinds of ways to be in life. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like quit your job and be an entrepreneur. Maybe it means that you find a culture within a company that suits yeah. you. And I know there's more and more companies like that out there. So I always like to just throw that in too, because I think sometimes you have this idea that either we're corporate or we're like running our own show and you know, running a business is pretty stressful as well. So I think there are a lot of really wonderful um, companies. I see the Chani app just pops into my head because I part of a variety newsletter. And so they are hiring frequently and it's the coolest company I've ever heard of. It's not work that's designed for me, but they offer like menstrual leave and like a wealth building. Awesome. I mean, it's, they have the benefits are crazy. And I'm like, wow, if a small company can do this, like why aren't bigger companies doing this? But it really does give me just a lot of hope and faith and, and that there are companies like that out there. And so there, there are other options. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. It's been a great, great talking to you. And yeah, go check out Kat's website and all of the resources that she has for you. Bye. Bye.